When I talk about supplements, does food pop into your mind? Have you ever wondered why weight loss diets actually work? And are you still confused about why people do intermittent fasting and whether it's something you should try or not? This and so much more explored on today's podcast. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, Balance of Fam. I cannot believe this is our second last guest interview for the whole year. We are coming up to our anniversary and I've been planning a really exciting birthday month. So get pumped for that. Alrighty, what's the update with me? I've had, a, I've had actually pleasantly quiet few weeks. I've taken a little bit of extra time to really make sure I'm unwinding and relaxing because I was feeling like I had a little bit of creative burnout. Um, that's a term I've coined myself, so I'm hoping some of you resonate with it. But basically, I just felt like I couldn't really come up with anything new and exciting. I just didn't have mental space for it. So I've just really been putting more energy and time into relaxing and downtime. Um, and in saying that, I've been having this strange and for the first time ever urge to journal. So many of you will know I've not demonized it, but I've said very openly in the past that journaling's not for me. It's not something I've really gotten into but I've now had the journal itch. So been doing that, which has been awesome to just release thoughts and help me work through some things I've been thinking. So hopefully I get out of this creative burnout rut ASAP. So if you're currently in one or recently gotten out of one, DM me and share your thoughts and feelings on how you got out of that too. Maybe we can progress together. But I do think it's a time thing and just giving yourself space. So I'll keep you posted if anything I do is really, really effective for that. Now on to today's wonderful guest, I've got Ryan Pinto on. So Ryan is a head nutritionist at My Muscle Chef as well as a sports dietitian. He is such a passionate and educated individual within this space. And what I love most about our chat was he not only gave a lot of the science and knowledge behind diet and food, but we also spoke through a lot of really practical ways that you can not only integrate these in your life, but maybe try out things you haven't thought about trying, the best ways to do so, etc. So today we talk about why it's really important to create an awareness around food. So great, you know what protein, carbs, and what's the other one, fats, you know what those three are, but that's not really being aware about your food. We talk about what that actually means for you personally and why that's important. We talk about why fat loss diets actually work, what you can eat to sustain energy or improve sleep, which is a cool area and something I'm always keen to hear more about. Another big topic, which we've spoken about previously on the pod as well, but Ryan gives his own interesting take is intermittent fasting, whether you should do it or not, what it actually achieves and why your mindset actually dictates whether you'd be a right fit for it or not. So I love this point, something I heard for the first time, but seems so logical. So I know you're going to love that. Back to the idea of food as supplements, you'll be glad to hear and spoiler alert alert, that caffeine is high up there and watch me try and get a whole brie wheel in that category as well. (laughs) Cheese lovers, I got your back. We speak a little bit about adaptogens, which some of you may or may not have heard of. So a common one is a supplement called ashwagandha, which is one I've personally been dabbling in recently, but interesting to hear Ryan's thoughts on that. What to do if you feel like you've plateaued in your results. And lastly, women, I hear you eating around your cycle. You get hungry at different points. So we also dive into that area a little bit as well. And yes, ultimately, we don't want to demonize your relationship with food. It's a beautiful, soul-boosting, excellent social part of life. And so this chat is really going to arm you with a little bit of education, knowledge, and tips that you can take away and rethink, I guess, your whole relationship with food. 
And lastly, just before we dive in, we have a sneaky discount code for all balances for My Muscle Chef, which is one of the best companies that do ready meals to go. They've got a delicious range and they do all the portion control for you, which makes it super easy. So if that's something you're keen to get your hands on, stay tuned for the end and I'll release the code. Alrighty, balances, let's get straight into it. Alrighty, I've got Ryan Pinto on the podcast today. Big welcome to Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. Uh, as we were talking about off air, this podcast has sort of been in the works for a few weeks now. <laughs> we've been trying to plan it and we've had <laughs> change of schedule. We've had Vodafone go down on us, but we're, it's all good. We're here and, and I think everyone's going to get a lot out of today's conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really glad we finally made it work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been, um, it's been a while. So yeah, yeah. finally. So just so our listeners can get a little bit of a feel for who you are and what you do, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what, what you do with yourself these days? Sure. Um, so I look after the nutrition side at my muscle chef. So previous to that, um, I was, oh, I still am a sports dietitian. So I'm an advanced sports dietitian and accrediting practicing dietitian. Um, I guess my grounding has been in sports. So um, looking after teams, um, especially elite teams. So um, rugby league, rugby union, cricket, um, and sort of helping guide athletes on how best to sort of utilize nutrition to fuel their performance. Um, so I've been in that space for a while and now I've made the move to the corporate side of the world to help develop foods and products that would actually um, assist athletes or people who are just active or busy um, fuel their day as well. Awesome. And um, how do you, how did you find the bridge between like working with you know, elite sort of athletes to then say like the everyday person who's just active? Do you find that there's quite a difference in the way you prescribe meals or like how, how, how does my muscle chef, or I guess the work you do, how do you approach diets and, and nutrition? Yeah, I guess the, the common ground between an elite athlete and a busy mum or dad who works and has kids and has to do the whole sort of school run and everything else is the fact that they're just stuck for time really when it comes to food. So most of the time, the commonality between both of them is that they're rushing around and they don't actually place a huge emphasis on food. Um, so that's probably where companies like my Muscle Chef really um, springboarded to, to the fore. So they were able to allow people to have a convenient option wherever they are, um, rather than just sort of having to prep their things or go to a cafe and eat something that may not be the healthiest. Yeah, for sure. And how, how are the meals sort of structured? Because I mean, I've heard a lot about My Muscle Chef and, and other companies like it, and I think it's an excellent service, especially if you're time poor. Like, would you be able to say, okay, right, I've, I've got a, a weight loss goal, or I just want to maintain, you know, like, are there the ways you can kind of curate the meal plans? Or are they just sort of uh, yeah. one size fits all? Yeah, so we've developed a few different types of ranges. So they range from weight loss to maintenance and just helping busy professionals to then also people who want to put on muscle um, and through the development stage of whether we're producing things like meals or whether we're producing things like drink, like drinks or snacks um, we tailor them to each sort of group so you're going to be able to if you're looking to lose a little bit of weight and just sort of eat healthier you'll be able to have a range that's specifically designed for you and um, conversely if you're looking to put on muscle or you, you have a very intense training program um, you have a range that's tailored made for you as well, which is good for people who might live in the same household, but have different goals as well. 
Yeah, well, I was actually just thinking, and, and a common one that always springs to mind for me when I think of who this would be perfect for would be like your typical mum who's got to cook for, you know, maybe she's got three teenage or fully grown boys who their dietary requirements can be so different to hers, especially if she has, you know, certain fitness and health goals. So I love that, you know, you can obviously pick and choose because it honors people's, I guess, individuality or different yeah. goals. So that's really good to know. Um, so one thing you posted on your Instagram account a little while ago, which I quite loved, was this post about what actually works when it comes to fat loss. And the thing I liked about it is it's sort of debunked, if you like, like a lot of the common things people would run to. So it's not, you know, cutting carbs. It's not, um, you know, avoiding animal products. So I'm curious, what are your kind of thoughts on what actually works when it comes to weight loss? Yeah, I guess when it comes to weight loss or as people sort of specifically want um, fat loss, for instance, it's it's the awareness around food. So when we talk about weight loss or when people sort of come to see a dietitian or myself and they're looking to lose a little bit of weight, the main thing that I tend to find is that a lot of these diets they might sort of have either tried or they're interested in um, has a label to it. So it might have an intermittent fasting label to it or a keto label. So they already drawn in and they sort of have a, a greater awareness about what they're actually consuming. In actual fact, it's just calorie control and it's just allowing them to actually focus on what they're eating because most of the time, a lot of people will start to consume foods, um, whether it be rushing to the cafe before work or rushing in between meetings to the local takeaway or cafe to grab something for lunch. Most of the time, they're just grabbing whatever's convenient and there's no awareness around it. Whereas once you put someone on a, a plan or once you put someone on a, a weight loss diet, they then have an awareness around it and they're able to not only navigate their way through high calorie and low calorie foods, but they're actually able to concentrate on their intake. So that's probably the, the best thing when it comes to fat loss is people actually just start to focus on something. And it's the same thing as, I guess, if they're working in a job, if they're focusing on something, they're going to get the job done. So that's where it starts to make a difference where these labels sort of almost draw someone into having a focus around nutrition and food. Right. So are there, are there any like specifically healthier ways we can focus on weight loss? Cause obviously something like um, cutting carbs, and this is not a blanket statement at all. I mean, I'm not a professional, but yeah. something like that isn't this, like just because say you're focusing on removing a food group, like, yes, that'll produce results, but it may not necessarily be the, the healthiest option for you. Would you argue that um, there are certain points of awareness that are better or, or like more conducive to a healthier kind of relationship with food for say weight loss or fat loss? Yeah, I think so. I think with the daily stresses that a lot of people have these days, um, their appetite regulation becomes quite important. So when we talk about appetite regulation, we're really talking about how many ebbs and flows do they have during the day from an energy perspective. And if you're consuming really sort of high calorie, low fiber, carbohydrate, dense foods, so things like cakes and pastries and stuff like that, um, you're going to have this amazing energy for about 20 minutes and then you're going to come crashing down. So when we look at food, the main awareness that I try and get people to um, be conscious of is making sure that they're consuming enough protein and enough fiber throughout the day. So protein especially helps to digest slowly. And the same thing with fiber, it helps to sort of fill you up and helps to digest slowly. So you don't have this huge rise and this huge crash. Um, you have a, a sustained amount of energy that's released, which means that you're able to think clearly and then be more aware of whether you're hungry or not, rather than 
be full and then be absolutely ravenous and go through these cycles of not knowing what to actually eat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so on that note of, um, you know, having something that's high in protein or high in fiber. So you do have that sustained, I guess, um, satisfaction. You don't, you're not having like hunger spikes throughout the day. Do you have any snacks off the top of your head um, that are really good? Like that tick those boxes. Cause it's always good to kind of have yeah. them like ready to just pick up in the cupboard or, you know, just be able to go and get them from the shops. If you know, in the back of your head that that's something you can pick up. Yeah, I think a lot of brands these days are starting to bring out products that mimic healthy foods or they might include a really high amount of healthy foods. So your general sort of basis snack foods, for instance, are things like nuts and seeds or things like yogurt, for instance, or dairy products that contain a, a very slow digesting protein. So dairy is really good because it contains a, a protein that digests a lot slower. Mm-hmm. So brands, um, whether it be our brand, where we've produced things like um, low carb bars or keto bars, for instance, which contain a, a really high proportion of nuts, for instance, with a flavor. Um, things like that help to digest slowly and help to satisfy someone. So whether they're just rushing in and out of a supermarket, you can actually grab something that's quite healthy, or even if it's like a, a milk-based drink, like a, a protein shake or a yogurt. Um, foods like that allow people to have a sustained amount of energy mm-hmm. rather than just having these ebbs and flows if they're eating a, a cake or a muesli bar, for instance. Yeah, for sure. So we've got nuts, um, any kind of dairy-based products. So I'm assuming that would be like, you know, even yogurts or um, yep. uh, can we put cheese in there? I mean, I'd be really happy if, if, if like a wheel <laughs> of brie was included in that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I'm happy to include like cheese wheels in there. I don't know whether that's going to be the healthiest thing, but maybe like a we sort of portion control it. Yeah, exactly. So if you're having a couple slices and that sort of works out well, but cheese definitely in its raw state. I think where people sort of go wrong with is you start to either overconsume or you pair your lovely, delicious daily style meats and crackers. And, yes. and that's where it turns into maybe adding a glass of wine or two on the side. And um, before you know it, you've, you've consumed a meal. So, um, but yeah, in its raw form, cheese is great. Beautiful. And, and you're right. It's totally about bringing that awareness piece. But um, I do think that if you have the knowledge of things you can quickly grab, or if you are, you know, doing something like a, meal, a sustained meal plan, like say muscle, my muscle chef or with some, someone else, then it takes the stress out of it. Because I think there's a lot of pressure for people to, you know, eat all the right things and do all the right things. And sometimes like our lives are just so busy. It's not always the easiest thing to get on top of. So this, this is kind of like a really, I'm loving that we're having this conversation because it's a way to bring that balance back into people's lives, kind of take a few things off their plate. Um, one thing I was actually going to yeah. ask you at the start or two things actually, which kind of will feature nicely here is what's like your go-to quick dinner. Like if you come here bother cooking, you've got to put something together really, really quickly. What's kind of your go-to if you don't have pre- pre-planned meals in the fridge because I'm assuming you're all across that yeah <laughs> yeah luckily I do have a few of them but um even previous to that for me I always keep um I would always go to a, a deli for instance and buy portions of salmon and just keep that in the freezer because then that's probably one of the only types of protein which you can cook frozen and even if you have absolutely no time you could easily get that out put a few herbs and and seasonings on that put in the oven and go for a shower and before you know it you've got um, a really good quality piece of protein, which contains all your, your great micronutrients like iron, B12 and zinc. So that's probably the foundation of that meal. And then I would use things like those microwave rice blends, which are normally blended with either quinoa or lentils these days. 
Um, and yes, frozen veggies. I think a lot of people demonize frozen vegetables, but the little packs that are individualized to, to each person, those things are absolutely perfect. So if you throw a few of those together, you've got yourself a really healthy meal. Yeah, for sure. That's actually one of my go-tos too. I use like a, a bassa fillet, but same sort of thing. And I love that you just said that about the frozen veggies because like I always buy it and I just think they're the best things. And you're right. Some people do yeah. demonize it. So what like you reckon, because I personally think, and this is not scientifically backed by any stretch of the imagination, but I think like if you just like freeze, a, you know, raw vegetables, surely that they just maintain their, their normal state. Like, right. Isn't that correct? Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're actually buying frozen vegetables nowadays because of just the way the food um, the food market works, a lot of them are actually frozen at the source. So they still contain a high amount of micronutrients compared to vegetables, which may sit on the shelf in a grocer um, and start to lose their, their vitamin content. So frozen vegetables are absolutely phenomenal these days. And the quality that you actually get for the price and the convenience, you can't sort of beat that. So um, I'm all for frozen veg, um, really easy options. Yeah, agreed. And I think you um, don't waste as much too because you don't have to throw it out once it goes yeah. back. So that's, that's another exactly. Well. Cool. Yep. I want to um, chat a little bit about intermittent fasting. Now, I, I feel like it's been a buzz topic in the last couple of years. You know, it's sort of come out and been talked about a lot in the media. I've personally, you know, tried my hand with it a little bit and have definitely seen benefits in terms of energy and performance. Um, but I haven't done it for a sustained period of time. And I'm curious to know um, with, with, you know, your professional background, what are your thoughts on it? Cause I know a lot of people listening, maybe thinking it's something they should try, or perhaps it's something they are going to try. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess intermittent fasting, I look at it as a tool in a toolbox, for instance. So it's a strategy to allow people to lose weight um, and it's a strategy to allow people to be a bit more aware of what they're eating. So if someone is rushing between meetings and they might have breakfast some days and um, they might have coffee for breakfast the next day and forget lunch and get into this sort of vicious cycle where they're coming home and they're absolutely ravenous and not able to eat, something like intermittent fasting provides a focus for them. So it allows them to Firstly, be aware of what they're consuming, but also be a bit more um, regimented about how they consume food. So in intermittent fasting, and the most common one is probably having a 16-hour window where you don't eat and then an eight-hour window where you do. So um, I'm not sure what you tried, but uh, the most yeah, common not. time window that people block out is 12 to 8, so 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Is mm -hmm. that something similar to what you did? Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I did, the 16-hour window. Yeah, and from a, from a health perspective and from a, a science perspective, it actually has really good results when it comes to either weight loss or um, impacting positively with conditions like type 2 diabetes or high cholesterol. Um, I guess if you dig a little bit deeper than that, what it really does is it cuts out a lot of the crap that people generally eat after dinner when their kids might be asleep, for instance, and they're just sitting down on the couch. All of those decadent style options that are available at the cafe when you walk in to grab your morning coffee. So your lovely danishes, your um, banana breads, muffins and Speaking cakes. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you're cutting out those two opportunities where traditionally people would not eat the best quality food, you're left with a window where you're probably eating an okay amount of food and a right, the right quality of food as well. So that's where it provides a focus, but it's also just taking out the ability to consume foods that – 
you may not really think too much about like the banana bread, which probably equals enough calories as, as a couple of yogurts, a couple of pieces of fruit and a bowl of muesli. Um, so it's just providing that extra focus um, for most people. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's an interesting approach you've taken. I think a lot of people always focus on the energy or the calories consumed, but if we really boil it down and make it about the focus and the awareness, you know, and, you, and taking you out of like a snack mindset because you're focusing on eating in those windows, I think there can be a lot of benefits provided you have, I guess, the right toolkit moving into it, which sort of leads me to ask for someone thinking of trying intermittent fasting, do you have any tips for either going into it or while sustaining it? Yeah, and where I probably see a lot of people fail is they go straight to that 16 slash eight hour um, block. So they fast immediately for 16 hours and then eat for eight hours. And traditionally, it's quite hard to do that when you're used to feeding from breakfast to dinner. So a lot of people have, they start off with 12 hours where they may not eat and then they'll eat for 12 hours and slowly bring that window down by two hours until you get to eight to 16. Um, most of the time, though, when people start these diets, they just start to focus on eating good quality foods, so whole foods. So snacking on things like vegetables and dips, for instance, um, during the day or including a large amount of vegetables in their lunch or dinner. If you look at companies like us who prepare meals for people to actually eat, all we're really doing is putting good quality vegetables inside the meal, whereas that compared to your local sandwich that you would grab where it might have the thinnest layer of protein and maybe one leaf of lettuce on these really thick pieces of bread. Um, it's a no brainer why these sort of meals tend to work or when people meal prep, why they actually work. It's just a better quality fuel source that's mm -hmm. high in protein and high in vegetables really. So I guess to, for people to start off, it's having a larger window and then making that smaller over time and also just focusing on what they're eating to make sure that they have a higher fiber intake and a higher protein intake. Yeah, for sure. And that's precisely what I did. And I, um, I always say that as well, like going into any diet, you need to slowly go into it rather than just shock your body in and out of it. So yeah, exactly. That, that, yeah, that's a really good tip. Okay, cool. So before we move on from intermittent fasting, do you think that it is something that people can sustain long term, like for the longevity of their life? Or do you think it's something that should just be tried and tested with as a results thing? Because you've got a lot of people who do it as a lifestyle and, and I'm, you know, I'm sure that works for them for their own personal reasons, but what are your personal thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I probably have two trains of thought on this. So for, it really depends and comes down to the personality type. So for someone that's all or nothing, um, whether they'll, even when it comes to life, whether they'll jump into a new job and they'll put all of the effort into it. Um, intermittent fasting tends to actually work quite well long-term for them because they're able to either do something and then during the times where they can't, where they're not, or they shouldn't eat, they'll actually just completely avoid food. So if you have that mindset of all or nothing, intermittent fasting actually works really well. And I've seen a lot of people do that for the long term when they have that mindset. But for the general person who likes to enjoy their social life, but also wants to lose a little bit of weight and sort of sit somewhere in the middle, I sort of see intermittent fasting as a strategy. So you pick a sort of four to six week window in your life where you're not sort of where people don't really travel that much anymore at the moment, but um, where you might not have a lot of social activities um, and it's just a general sort of period Yeah. Um, and use that period to help you lose weight and then transition back to a normal diet. So 
if you like enjoying yourself and you like a few different parts of your life and you're able to sit in happily in the middle, use it as a strategy. Whereas if you're all or nothing, it probably works better for that type of person because they're able to comply with that more long-term. Yeah. Great advice. I love that. I want to um, chat a little bit now about supplements, which is a topic I love because I'm always very open to, you know, hearing what the research is saying and what other, what other people have used and what's worked for them. Um, but I want to talk about it specifically with respect to like sleep and performance, like performance being your energy. So let's just start with sleep. Do you personally recommend or take any supplements uh, when it comes like to help you enhance your sleep? Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a very fine balance at the moment with a lot of products that are touted to help you sleep compared to those that actually work from a, a science proven basis. But um, there's certain things like, firstly, we start from a food perspective. So there's an amino acid, which is the building block of protein. There's an amino acid called tryptophan, which is normally found in foods like oats or dairy, tuna, turkey, um, that help people to sleep. So for those people that struggle to actually sleep, I normally firstly implement those types of foods, not all of them, but some of them towards that sort of nighttime period. And if you think of as a kid or an old wives tale where people used to have a hot cup of cocoa, that's where that actually came from. So there was science to that where people would have a hot glass of milk and the tryptophan in that would actually help them calm down and reduce anxiety. Wow. So that's one of the first sort of things that I generally implement in someone's diet when they're having trouble sleeping. Um, if you look at other supplements, there are different types of herbs, which do have some science basis to it, um, along with other vitamins like magnesium, for instance, which a lot of people believe magnesium helps to put you to sleep. All it really does is it helps to reduce anxiety a tiny bit. So it allows you to be a bit more calmer going into that sleep cycle. Um, so out of those, from a, a supplement perspective, there are a few different types of herbs and things like magnesium that tend to work well. But you can also tailor that from a food perspective. And as I said, introduce some of those foods, things like magnesium, nuts and seeds are really high in magnesium. So for people who might have a really early dinner with the kids, for instance, at 5.30 and at sort of 8.39, they find that they're snacking quite a bit. What I normally recommend them to do, for instance, is make a smoothie with nuts and seeds, um, maybe put in some protein powder, base it on milk, um, and add a few oats in there. And that's a really rich tryptophan option that you can have just before bed. So maximize the stimulus from food and then start to look at supplements when it comes to sleep perspective. Yeah, for sure. And I love that approach, you know, obviously starting, I think when we talk supplements, people run straight to like the vitamins and the tablets, but like yeah. food is a supplement to your diet. So I love that you've exactly. that's kind of your base point. Now for looking at something like high performance, or let's even call it maintaining consistent energy throughout the day. So I think a lot of us um, will experience more, more often than not probably energy dips throughout the day. And that's when you're running for the 2pm, 3pm coffee. Or like that's, we have this joke at work. Sometimes in the morning, I say to my colleagues, like, is it a single espresso or double espresso type morning? You know, sometimes you just need that extra kick because yeah. you just don't have it that day. Um, what are your exactly. thoughts on um, foods or and or sup other supplements that can help maintain consistent energy? Yeah, so caffeine being probably one of the most well-researched and proven supplements. Um, so coffee, for instance. So if you look at the the way coffee works or the way caffeine works in a person's system is it'll normally peak in their bloodstream um, about half an hour to 45 minutes after you've consumed it. 
stay at that peak level for around 90 minutes and then start to crash from about the three hour mark post ingestion. So caffeine is something that if you time it strategically, it can actually help waking you up and keep that performance at an elevated level. So I actually don't have an issue with people having coffees in the morning and then in the afternoon, as long as it doesn't affect your sleep. So if you look at the way caffeine works, it takes about six hours to get out of your system. So if you're having caffeine late at night, it's probably gonna affect your sleep. If you're having that sort of 2.30, 3 o'clock coffee, it's probably gonna be out of your system by the time you're starting to wind down at about 10 o'clock. So as long as your time is strategically, caffeine is one of the most proven supplements that you can use, whether you use it in a supplement form or in a delicious coffee like you were just describing. Um, if you look at other performance boosting supplements, um, if we look at purely from a sports perspective, things like creatine work really well and beta alanine work really well, which you can get everywhere. And it helps to help you recover and also not be as sore throughout the day. So you can move um, around your work and you can actually feel a little bit better. Um, if we look at mood enhancing supplements, so there are things like adaptogens, which is probably a bit of a buzzword or nootropics that is a buzzword at the moment. So there's certain amino acids like L-theanine, which is one of them, or different styles of herbs like ashwagandha, mm. um, where they help to bring your mind into a controlled state and they allow you to stay focused on a certain task for the long term. So you might actually see these coming in the form of food or coming in the form of supplements, but all of these products or all of these supplements actually help to boost your mental capacity. So um, I think that's really one of the key trends over the next 18 months to two years that we'll start to see more foods that contain things like um, herbs such as ashwagandha or amino acids like L-theanine um, to help boost the mind and keep it performing better for longer. Yeah, love that. Actually, I did want to chat a little bit about adaptogens since you've brought them up. Um, my partner and I were recently looking into ashwagandha and he's been taking it, but the whole concept of adaptogens is so interesting to me. It's like you can take it and it will literally adapt and assist you where you need it. That's sort of my base level understanding of it. Is that sort of along the right lines? Because I just think that's so interesting that you can take a supplement and it will sort of know what you need almost. Yeah, it's a it's a catch-22 at the moment um, in the food and beverage market because, yes, that's exactly what adaptogen does. It helps you to deal with life stress um, and it helps you to almost boost your mental capacity and ability to deal with that stress. So it calms you down. It doesn't give you that same sort of anxiety when things start to um, be a bit more chaotic, but it is a dose dependent response. So just like if you had a headache, for instance, and you're taking a Panadol, you take the dose of Panadol. You wouldn't take a quarter of Panadol and expect it to work. So um, that's probably one of the main things that people would have to be mindful of that if they are looking at these products or they're looking at a supplement, which has an adaptogen or a nootropic in it, make sure you research it a bit more to um, understand the dosage and ensure that you're taking the dosage to get that effect. Otherwise, it's probably a bit lost if you're not doing that. Yeah. So what would, what, who would need to like take an adaptogen or look into it? Like, is there a category of person or a category of like condition that would kind of spur someone to look into it? Or do you think it can be useful to the everyday person, like say vitamin D is? Yeah, I think to be honest, it's probably useful for the everyday person. But where I see people going wrong is that they have these ebbs and flows from a nutrition perspective where they're coming, they're crashing because they've eaten something horrendous at a cafe. And then they're looking at a, a drink or a food that contains the smallest amount of adaptogen to help them 
carry through the rest of the day. Whereas if they're focused on the big rocks and making sure that they consume, say, a lunch, for instance, which contains a really good amount of whole grain carbohydrate, protein, and vegetables, they're probably going to not have that feeling of needing something in that mid-afternoon because they have a sustained amount of energy. So where people can go right is by firstly choosing the right food um, and making sure you focus on the big rocks and then start to look at these adaptogens just to top up your ability to um, compete or the ability to even just last in your general work day or life day. Yeah. Almost sounds like a superpower, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. I might have um, to put I think ashwagandha in my tea when I'm finished on the <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably one of the the main things that people look at supplements because it's the new shiny sort of sexy thing yeah. that uh, people have heard of or read in a magazine. So um, yeah, think of it as if you're filling up a bucket and you want to fill it up quickly, big rocks are going to have more of an effect. Um, mm-hmm. And then around that, you can filter in little pebbles to sort of top that up. Love that. And as always, if, if anyone obviously needs specific dietary advice it's always best to seek it from a professional like yourself or their you know local doctor or whoever they're dealing with nutritionist yeah exactly that's right awesome so now i want to chat a little bit about plateau because i feel like and obviously exercise and life stress and all that plays a big 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 role like we can't obviously just isolate food but i do just want to speak about food obviously that is your niche and your bubble um honoring that it does, you know, relate to those other areas, but let's just hone in just on this for now. What, what would be your advice for someone who feels like they eat relatively healthy? Sure. They enjoy themselves every now and again, but 80, 20, you know, 80% of the time they're eating the right things. They're focusing on those big rocks, but they feel like they've plateaued a little bit in, in terms of maybe um, their performance or uh, results they want to get with their training. Do you have any just like quick fire things that you can think of the top of your head that you would suggest to look at or start with if you feel like you've plateaued? Sure. I think, um, I think a lot of people fall into this bucket where they may not have a specific goal and they're not sort of training to a specific thing, but they just want to be healthy. Um, and for most people, when it comes to 80-20 rule, they probably blur the lines to more 70, 30. Um, so I guess the, the first thing is making sure that they understand what to actually consume and when to consume it. So if you look at say seven, uh, three meals a day across seven days. So you have, um, you have 28 meals that you can, oh, sorry, 21 meals that you can consume. If you look at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 20% of that is looking at about four of those meals. So if they are indulging four times in a week, you're probably around that 20%. If you're still going to the cafe and choosing something that's convenient more than that, then you probably blurred the lines. Um, Where I sort of look at people who plateau, because plateauing, especially when you're trying to lose a little bit of weight, can be really frustrating um, for a lot of people. So where I firstly start to focus on that is, are they consuming the right amount of foods rather than are they cutting out certain things? So if you're consuming delicious fresh vegetables that contain a really high amount of micronutrients, that's a really good start. And just looking at what they're consuming and increasing that by about 20%. So if you look at your lunch and dinner, if you can increase your fiber intake by about 20%, you're going to have an added benefit or an increased benefit. Then we start to look at, okay, well, if you're exercising late at night, but you're having a really carb-heavy breakfast, say, for instance, something like um, a bowl of cereal, then we might look at slower digesting food that won't turn into fat cells so quickly Mm. if you're having it closer to your exercise so 
instead of having a carburage option that's low in protein in the morning and training at night, maybe have something that's a bit more sustained release in the morning and put your carbohydrate around your training. Mm. So that's a term called periodizing your, your intake. And all it means is putting energy dense foods around when you train. And yep. those sorts of two tips really start to get people going along with being aware of whether they're actually indulging more than what they think. Um, so those are the main ones that I start to look at and then start to put protein around times when they might start to feel hungry. So whether it's nuts and seeds, things like yogurt, or even as healthy as a couple of pieces of fruit mm-hmm. um, around times when they might feel hungry and then they reach a meal and they're ravenous, anticipate when you start to feel hungry and put something in at that time. Yeah. Love that. And on the topic of cravings, so obviously um, you know, you get hungry throughout the day, which leads to snacking. What about on the flip? Like if you're, you know, eating breakfast, lunch and dinner, but you're just not hungry when it comes around to lunchtime, would you always suggest that people eat intuitively? So just eat when you're hungry, or do you think it's probably better to maintain like a regimented kind of routine and you'll just find, you know, those periods will just sort of come and go based off your energy? Yeah, I think to be honest, most people should be eating intuitively, but they don't actually realize when they're hungry. They're probably just everyone, for instance, at work will break at a certain time and eat. So they just are forced to eat at that time because they get a break at that time. So it's definitely eating intuitively. And if you don't tend to feel hungry and you don't really have any body composition goals, then you can have something smaller at that time just to tide yourself along. Mm. Where I've seen that and in the research where we've sort of seen people who skip meals generally feel hungry at the next meal time that's coming up. So if you put in something small at a time when you're not really hungry, then you're not going to have that hunger period come up and be ravenous when you get to the next meal. Yeah, right. I like that. That's that's a good tip for, I guess, balancing your craving and then those moments where you don't really feel that hungry. Because I think it's important to, I guess, just have some ideas in our back pocket for when these things come up, because otherwise you find you might binge when you've got a craving or, you know, you might just eat for the sake of it when you're not hungry, when really there's, there are a bit more, um, there are more balanced ways, I suppose, to deal exactly. with those moments, which happen all the time. And, and as a woman as well, like going through just, you know, month to month hormonal changes, like that definitely plays a big, big role. So I think that's, those are some really good tips um, for people to rely on. And I think it's um, males, we don't really have a lot of hormonal fluctuations. We're pretty stable. There's nothing really happening within us, whether it's our hormones or maybe even between the ears. But for females, (laughs) because they have such fluctuations, there's different times of the month where you actually are able to metabolize carbohydrate better. Mm. Um, and different times where you're not able to do that and you have hunger cravings. So generally, if you know there's a certain time in the month where you have more cravings, it's really focusing on that time to either make sure you prepare vegetables ahead of time to have a higher fiber intake during those two weeks or making sure that you do different services like click and collect or meal delivery services to make sure that you have a higher fiber intake that's actually healthy during that period where traditionally you would crave a lot of foods because it's not about demonizing things like sweet foods. It's just about the consumption of it. So if you're still consuming those foods, but you consume in small portions, it's not going to really affect your, your weight or your mood. Whereas if you're not consuming high fiber around those times, you're probably going to overindulge and affect both your mood and your weight as well. Yeah, no, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I think like for women, especially like they kind of feel bad when it gets 
you know, to those weeks where you do feel hungrier. And I just think, you know, your body is processing and doing more. You need more calories or more energy to sustain all those bodily functions. And so absolutely you should be pre-planning for that. But I think it's also um, becoming aware of like your cycle and and understanding, like you said, planning is key. And and if you know, I guess it's the week before or the week of or whatever, you can pre-plan for that. So you don't get stuck in this rut. We're just grabbing the most convenient thing at the the 11th hour. I mean, like for most people happens every month. So it shouldn't be a surprise. (laughs) You know, it's- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and a lot of people track their, um, their period on an app, for instance. So it's even just setting reminders at that time where- it might be a week or 10 days out where, okay, have I got my food right? Um, mm. Have I ordered what I need to have and make sure that I have it in the house? So you're ready to go and you're prepared for that time. Absolutely. And small caveat for um, a lot of people whose cycles are not regular. Uh, there are a lot of things like, you know, nuts, uh, dark chocolate, things like that, that you can run, you know, you can eat and just sort of keep in the cupboard if, if you're not too sure. Exactly. So um, yeah. That's right. Regular for you there. So just before I let you go, I do want to ask you a little bit about you personally. So do you have any uh, non-negotiable habits with respect to your diet or your, uh, let's start with your diet and then I'll ask you a bit more about your routine. Yeah. So I guess the first non-negotiable is making sure that I have at least one indulgent meal a week, um, at least one. So whether it's a couple or whether it's three, making sure that I enjoy food as a dietitian. I think a lot of dietitians as well, they start off being foodies. There's very few that are so based around the chicken, broccoli and brown rice, but most of my colleagues and most of the people I know just absolutely love food. So for me, um, it's definitely making sure that I have a few times in the week where I can indulge. What's your indulge meal? For me, it's, I actually have a, a big foodie. So I love to go to new restaurants and try new things. So whatever the newest restaurant that's open in Sydney or whatever the, the latest craze is, I really love enjoying it. And whether it's a really disappointing fact when you try something and it's horrible because you have to wait for oh, a, a whole other week to have, <laughs> yeah, exactly to have that. But that's probably the first non-negotiable because it probably mentally resets my ability to eat healthy through, during the week. Um, and it allows me to actually enjoy food for what it is. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the first non-negotiable. Um, I guess in my daily routine, which allows me to sort of eat healthy, it's making sure that three, four times a day, I have a decent protein-based meal or snack. So whether that be consuming things like eggs with some smoked salmon, or whether it's making sure that my lunch and dinner contain a decent amount of protein, whether it be plant-based or or meat or fish, and then timing a protein-based snack around my training. So um, I love to exercise. Um, I love being active and making sure that I'm actually able to perform during that exercise means that I have something that's protein and carb-based just before that. So those are probably my my food rules, I guess, from a daily perspective. The wow. next thing that I tend to look at is how whole food can I actually eat during the day? So what sort of whole foods are there, whether they be trendy or whether they just be staples like brown rice, for instance, or whether it be a really good quality sourdough. I tend to like to make sure that most of my food is based around whole foods um, to get the right amount of nutrients and making sure that it's least processed as possible. And then whatever indulgent sort of thing I like to have during the day, whether it be um, something a little bit more processed, I'll try and time it around exercise. So your body's actually using it for energy, but mm-hmm. you're actually enjoying it from a food perspective. Um, and then I guess the last one for me is 
making sure that I'm able to eat two squares, at least two squares of dark chocolate, of lint, 70% dark chocolate after dinner. Oh, For me, that's probably like my wind down time. Got it in um, and yeah, it's it's something that is a non-negotiable for me. So it allows me to get that sweet tooth, but it still allows me to be sane during the day. Um, and it it sort of turned into more of a relaxation. So when I get that, I'm able to sit on the couch and just relax. Yeah, I love that. And I think of all the things you just said, the one I've resonated with most was your first one, which is actually allowing for a cheat meal of a week. And I don't know if anyone listening has ever heard a dietitian say that, but I am so happy you just said that <laughs> because I think when a lot of people ask me too, like how, how do you eat so healthily all the time? It's because I give myself that breathing space on the weekend to go out for that dinner, to, you know, eat at my parents' house, you know, when they make a lot of beautiful Italian food, whatever the case is, it's when you give yourself permission to do those things, it doesn't feel like a burden to do all the other things and eat healthily. That would probably be my one addition to that. But as well, like if you're all your meals, like you said, are high protein or things you actually enjoy, like, I mean, eating healthy doesn't have to be this demon thing. That's a burden. It doesn't have to be broccoli, rice, and chicken. I mean, I would never meal prep that for myself because I just probably wouldn't <laughs> enjoy it. And then I would probably end up in a bit of a resentment phase, but you know, beautiful salads with a lot of color or my favorite veggies, like eggplant and pumpkin, those sorts of things help you stay on track. And then by the time you get to, you know, your two dark squares of chocolate at night or your cheat meal on the weekend, you can really just like enjoy it. And you don't, there's no guilt associated with it. And it's, it's just this whole relaxed I guess relationship with food so I love everything you just said then I think it fits really nicely with you know our theory and and giving people the freedom to explore and have fun with their relationship with food it doesn't have to be this dark demon thing yeah you know (laughs) exactly and I think it's something that um, a lot of people have fallen out of touch with cooking because there's um, or even just being aware of what they actually eat because there's so many cafes these days around work where there's not a lot of food prep or not a lot of awareness around food. So whether it's looking at them cooking it themselves or whether it's looking at meal delivery services, it's just that awareness about how to actually eat what's healthy and eat seasonally. So there are certain things that might change every season and just being allowing yourself to be involved in, okay, what is the new thing that's coming into season and how can I implement that into my diet? So just that general awareness around what you're actually eating on a day-to-day basis makes such a difference and it allows you to actually, it gives yourself a bit of a license to indulge on a weekend or on a Friday night with a couple of glasses of wine. Love it. Love it. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you outside of, you know, the food space and what you do for work. And I guess that area that you're really passionate about, do you have any other, I guess, non-negotiable daily habits that really just form a part of your balance, your everyday routine? Yeah, I guess for me, it's it's exercise. I love exercise and it, it creates all these beautiful endorphins that get released once you exercise and you feel calmer and you feel clearer. Um, I think exercise itself doesn't have to be smashing yourself in a gym. Um, it can be playing things like team sport. It can even just be going for a walk. I think the biggest issue in this day and age is how comfortable people have gotten with being lazy um, because everything is so convenient. You can call an Uber instead of walking a block. Um, you can always jump on um, attack uh, on a bus, for instance, and just sort of get to where you need to get to instead of just walking that little bit more. So it's just being active and moving. And I think that's something that helps to release all these beautiful endorphins. And with people being so hectic and so stressed these days, endorphins are one of the main things that helps to reduce anxiety a little and, 
and helps people to start to calm down and unwind. So um, the biggest thing for me is just being active and being able to move. And whether that's playing soccer for me or going to the gym or whether that's just going for a local walk around the bay, um, those are the non-negotiables for me, which allow me to calm down and sort of have my Zen moment, I guess. Beautiful. And, and I guess that paired with your, uh, your balanced approach to food, you know, and diet form a really nice union. And I do think that yeah, exactly. they do need to be considered very, very closely together. But obviously we're here to talk about all your professional expertise when it comes to food. But I'm really glad you mentioned that as well. Alrighty, I think that's all we've got time for today, even though we could probably talk on for ages. If people <laughs> want to, you know, connect with you, follow your journey or learn a little bit more about what you're doing, where's the best place that they can do so? Yeah, I guess for me, it's um, my my business, so High Performance Nutrition Australia. Um, otherwise, from a, um, a food perspective, I have... I look after nutrition in my muscle chef. So anything that we start to innovate and put out, uh, we've developed with insights from myself and we've sort of looked at things from a very deep level of how we can help people. So if you follow along anything that we're doing at my muscle chef, um, nutrition wise, that's a really great way to keep, um, keep in touch with me. Beautiful. Well, I'll pop links to all of that below. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. I'm really glad we got eventually around to doing this. Yeah, I know sure. our listeners would have gotten a lot out of today. So thank you so much. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, I really appreciate your time spent and can't wait to do it all again next week. As promised, for those of you interested in buying out My Muscle Chef, we have a special discount code for $20 off your first order. The code is BALANCE20 and happy healthy eating there. As I did mention, this is our second last episode before we hit our one year anniversary. So I am in this phase where I'm planning for sort of the second year, what I'm going to include, what I'm going to take out, those sorts of things. So if there's anything you can think of or that you've been wanting to reach out and say now is the absolute perfect time if you want to see more of anything if you feel like we've done something really well or not too well and you just want to give your feedback I'm an open book I love taking all of your comments when I'm really planning ahead for future shows so don't be shy if you haven't had a chance to jump onto Apple or Spotify and subscribe feel free to go and do that so that you get a little notification when the new episodes come out And lastly, if you have a chance to leave a review or rating, I believe it's only on Apple Podcasts at this stage, it would greatly help us grow our Balancer community and reach more new faces. That's it from me for this week, guys. Tune back in next week for a fresh episode and I hope you have an awesome day.